0: It came to the point that I was kicked out. I was asked to not come back.
1: Welcome to Walk Like a Hebrew, the podcast where we learn to walk out our faith like our Messiah, Yeshua, also known as Jesus. I'm Jody Odell. This is episode six, an interview with Jose and Lexi Garcia of Northern California. Listen as the Garcias share about their journey into the whole Word of God lifestyle. I'm here with Jose and Lexi Garcia, and we're here to talk about their walk as Torah keepers. Welcome, guys. How are you doing?
0: We're doing great. Thank you for having us. Thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you for being willing to be interviewed. Um, So just tell me a little bit about yourself. We've been married for 20 years this year. Wow, congratulations. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank <laughs> Congratulations!
2: You. We have we have three boys, three young men, and um, we're just living life and trying to walk as Jesus walked.
1: Awesome! That is fantastic. So, can you just tell me a little bit about your faith background, where you came from before this walk? Um,
2: I was raised in the church and in like a assemblies of God, vineyard, more like evangelical, Pentecostal, maybe charismatic. I would say charismatic, not really Pentecostal churches. Okay.
0: I also, um, well, grew up, my parents, my father was a Catholic, kind of culturally Catholic, if you will. And my mother um, tried to raise us as best she could in mainstream Christian church. So uh, up until probably the age of 40. Um, I was going to mainstream uh, Christian church and really, really involved in in ministry.
1: So tell us about your depth of involvement in ministries. Like, What did you
0: guys do? We helped. um, We were leading the college group. At least I did the college group. My wife was in charge of the high school youth group. I was a a board member uh, and one of the elders in the church. Uh, We did that probably for about 10 years. And we just We really enjoyed working with younger uh, kids and kind of sharing scripture with them and trying to be a testimony to them.
1: Wow.
2: And so I wasn't in charge of the group. I just helped out and I was involved in ladies ministry. I was an usher at church. We we did um, Sunday school with the little kids and with the um, elementary school age kids. And um, we helped out any way in every way we could.
1: We were involved. Yeah. Whenever somebody asks, you said yes. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. So, what was it? What was the the thing the the one thing that kind of changed your course your your faith trajectory? I guess you'd say. Um, was there one single thing, or was it did it happen over time? Or what? Um, tell us about that.
2: Okay. Um, actually, working in youth group, uh, I was involved with the high schoolers, and um, we were studying the B attitudes. And I was at a thrift store and saw The Beatitudes and the Lord's Prayer by William Barclay, which is considered actually a heretical book by most mainstream Christians because um, of some of the ideas in it. (laughs) (laughs) So reading through The Beatitudes and the Lord's Prayer, it was all about first century Christians and how they weren't considered good citizens. They weren't considered polite society Because they wouldn't burn the incense to Caesar and say, Caesar is Lord. And it wasn't something that they had to mean in their heart. It was just kind of like our pledge of allegiance to the flag. It was just a thing you do in society because everybody did it. And that started me questioning, um, why. what do we do differently? We are considered polite citizens. We wear the same clothes. We, We celebrate the same holidays. We eat the same food we listened to the same music. I mean, yes, I had a lot more worship music thrown in, but I still didn't completely abstain from secular music or anything like that. And so, I was just examining myself in my life and every single bit of living looked exactly like how the world, the rest of the world looked regardless of their faith. And so, I asked my husband, how are we different? How are we set apart? And that was I think the one thing was that book was reading about people being tortured for their faith and for their non-compromising attitude and posture towards the Lord, they would not do anything that could be construed as they had an idol in their life. They were completely sold out to Christ.
1: So that was The Beatitudes in the Lord's Prayer by William Barclay? Yes. Excellent. Wow. So, gosh— what did you do? I mean, what did what did you do once you figured out that you were basically living like the rest of the world, even as somebody who was supposed to be set apart? How did you How did you change that?
0: It started with um, with that question my wife asked: "Is is how are we set apart? How are we different?" And in the midst of that time. I was meeting Tuesday mornings uh, with about seven different men. Three of them were pastors of a church that went to seminary, and some of them were older gentlemen, 55, I mean, people that I respected and and loved. Um, Some of the other ones were men that were elders in the church. Uh, The other ones were youth leaders that have been in the church for years that I've been serving alongside with them for probably the last 10 years. Um, Another one was my brother, who also I I served very closely with him in, in ministry and missions, and so I, I began to ask them some of these questions as I started to to study out scripture and, and why do we go to church on Sunday? What's wrong with the Sabbath? And if it is a commandment, why do we exclude it? And why do we not abide by it? And some of the answers I was getting from some of these men just didn't reconcile. Uh, some of the responses are the same ones we hear all the time is, well, that's, you know, that's for the Jews or, or that's done away with, or, or now it's, you know, any day it could be the Sabbath, as long as you do it unto the Lord.
2: Jesus is the Sabbath.
0: And so, so I kept digging in and probably, probably for, Six months, a year, actually a year, a year. As yeah. I as I would dig, I'd come back and I asked them questions, and then I'd come back to my wife and I'd say, "Well, this is how we're set apart." And then she'd say, "Wait, but what about this question?" And so she posed another question that would leave me digging some more because it, I couldn't reconcile it with what the men were telling me, the men that I've known for years and I met with. And it got to the point where between the two conversations um, with that group of men and and the questions my wife was posing, I was spending at this time probably. I'd say easily eight hours a day, just studying scripture uh, just from the old Testament and, and, and looking at concordance and, and what did the Hebrews say and what did the Greeks say. And the more I dug, the more I couldn't reconcile with this is not for today. It's, you know, our God is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. So amen. that just caused more and more digging and moved me closer. So
2: just to back up for one second, yeah. um, We were coming up, we were ending 2012 when I was reading this book. And so the new year was coming and for New Year's resolution, I challenged my husband and my children to try to live biblically and keep the Sabbath, keep the feasts, even though we didn't have a clue (laughs) and um, eat biblically and do all the things that try to live as biblically as we can. And I challenged my husband to study and to please as soon as you find the, the the loophole, the way out that Jesus paid it all, that he undid all this, that we wouldn't, we would stop. As soon as he found that scripture that said, this is not for today. This is not for you Christians. This is not for you non-Jews. Just study, find me where it says, and we'll stop. So we started out 2013, really trying to live a set apart lifestyle. So as he's meeting with these guys all of 2013 and challenging them and studying and, and really wrestling with all of it, this was all going on. We're completely radically changing our lives. We're going to synagogue. We're just doing weird, weird things in the eyes of our mainstream friends.
1: <laughs> and did he ever find that scripture?
2: No. But, he, you know, on in November, so we had been doing this For a whole year, almost 11 months in November of 2013, um, he came to me and said, you know, after he's meeting with these guys, you know, Christmas was a huge deal in our house. So, you know, the holidays are nearing. We've weirded a lot of people out. Everybody, we're feeling a little bit abandoned, a little bit bruised, a little bit beaten up. And, um, you know, obviously we thought we went crazy because we couldn't find fellowship. And nobody, nobody agreed with us. And thought we were just becoming Jews. Yeah. So he said, you know, I think Christmas is just a, a time to bring light to the darkness. And that's very biblical. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a dark time of year and, you know, we are, are lighting it up. I don't see what's wrong with that, Lexi. So, you know, I was very tempted in that moment to kind of throw in the towel and just be in agreement with my husband because I was feeling lonely and beaten up. And, uh, you know, this was hard. I was counting the costs in that moment during that conversation. And after 11 months, he was still completely 100% doubting I was being worn down because all my friends thought I was crazy. My family thought I was crazy. I felt like I was irritating everyone around me. And I kind of wanted to give up. I didn't want to fight for this life change anymore. But I asked him, you know, what about that Jeremiah 10 verse? He said, "What verse?" <laughs> so we looked it up and it was talking about dragging the tree and then decorating it with gold and silver and oh, setting yeah. it up. You know, you cut it down, you decorate it. Apparently that he had never read that part and he was kind of like astounded by how similar that was to what we did. Yes. with Christmas. And, you know, looking back on that whole situation, I really feel like that was my test to pass because I knew I was feeling weak and I was feeling fleshly and I was feeling tired. And as soon as my husband saw that verse, it's like he woke up the next day completely more convinced than I was. Completely 100% changed from the inside out. You didn't have to tell him. There was no more convincing. It was like he was convinced 100%. It was a a supernatural, spiritual thing.
1: That is fantastic. I love just remembering the feeling of all of a sudden knowing for sure, for good, and for always that I was on the right path. And it sounds like that's what happened with you guys. That's wonderful. Can you maybe describe some of the challenges you faced as you were making this transition? Like, you know, with your family, your friends? I mean, how did you extract yourself from your church responsibilities, things like that?
0: Actually, um, with the men that I met with, uh, there came a point where I, I would just ask questions and they would get frustrated with some of the questions. Um, you know, I'd ask like, well, why do we do why do we do we Christmas? And they'd say, well, it's been redeemed. And I, I'd ask, by who? Who redeemed it? Well, um, Jesus did. And I'd say, well, if we're going to talk about solely scripture that we are to live by, show me in the Bible. And I'd hand them the Bible. I said, show me in the Bible where it says, and I will drop all these questions. Because at that point, they were starting to get very irritated with me to the point that they were calling me an arrogant Jew. Oh. And um, and I apologized to them. I, I love these guys. And I said, I'm sorry. I, I, please forgive me. I'm not trying to be contentious. I'm not trying to be offensive. I, I'm genuinely pursuing truth. And you guys are the people that I love and I trust. And, and you guys have scripture knowledge. And so I'm coming to you for these answers because I'm digging and I'm digging and I can't reconcile what we've known with what I'm starting to see. Yeah. So it I came to the point that I was kicked out. I, I was, I was asked to not come back because I was making everybody feel uncomfortable. And so we, we were alone with just our, our family for a year because we were shunned. You know, we were no longer part of the group uh, ostracized, if you will. And, um, and even with our family, they were just saying, you know, you're ruining the time together with everybody because now nobody, your kids aren't here for Christmas and we're not getting together as a family like we did. And how selfish of you guys. And so we just tried to, you know, stand firm as long as we could. And finally, luckily, we found a body, uh, like minded people that we no longer were alone. And it encouraged us to continue and that we were on the right path.
1: Praise God. That is wonderful. And I can relate. I remember finding out that I was not alone. That we're not crazy, that we're not on the wrong track, that we're not just becoming Jews and that we haven't lost our salvation, you know, all those, all those crazy things. So how about joys? What are some of the wonderful things that you guys have experienced since you made this transition in your
0: life? You know, I, I'd say the blessings more than anything, like the the blessings that we've seen in our lives since we've walked in this path brings joy because there's no doubt from the things that we've gone through since we've started this walk and early on, some of the testing that really took place in our lives in our with family, um, there was a tremendous amount of test in, in our body and our church knows about it. Um, the Lord just gave us favor in the end and tremendous amount of favor even afterwards. But in the beginning, I think it was testing us to see will we stand firm in the midst of what seemed persecution, in the midst of just bad things happening. But we really had this peace that we were covered and and standing firm in that the blessings that we've seen uh, is just Even today, I mean, just last week, some of the things that my wife and I talk about, wow, we made the decision. Look, at since we made the decision, look what has happened. God keeps affirming what he has promised us in, in scripture that he will bless us if we are obedient from our heart and love him and serve him, he will bless us. And even when he doesn't, we have that peace knowing that we're going through something that he's trying to teach us. That's
1: awesome.
2: And some of the really big blessings of this walk is, you know, I find that, the praise dancing is just amazing. And it's a way I connect with God that I haven't in any other form of praise. And so I really appreciate that. That's been a joy to me. The fact that the Bible actually makes sense instead of everybody saying, read your Bible, read your Bible, but don't do anything in it because, you know, <laughs> then you're legalistic. Right. Oh.
1: You know, that's
2: super weird. Yes. So yeah. that, that's been a joy that I can reconcile my faith. I can defend my faith like, and why I do what I do more clearly than I've ever have been able to before. When everybody, you know, defines sin differently based on their feelings and by whatever um, pokes at their conscience, particularly, you know, that's a really weird subjective world to live in. And, um, you know, I never was comfortable with the read your Bible, read your Bible, but don't do anything in it answers. So having everything make sense is is priceless
1: to me. Yes. Oh, I can so relate to that. Oh my gosh. I have actually described it in the past as um, going from watching a grainy black and white TV set that you have to, you know, adjust all the time and maybe you can see what's happening. Going from that to going to watching the new testament play out on a 72-inch high definition TV where you can actually see everything that's going on in the background even and and it all makes sense and the story comes together and you can see this grand plan that we're a part of and it it's amazing i just i love that thank you for bringing that out so i also wanted to ask you know, just some specific ways that this walk has changed your day to day life. You know, things that you I you you touched on. You know, the holidays and things like that. But um, I want to know how being a, a Sabbath keeper, a Torah keeper, has changed the practical day to day things that you do in your life.
0: Well, so had we not been Torah, you know, being business owners, that's one of those things that people will will ask you. Uh, we have a restaurant and. I think we initially were struggling with the fact of, okay, we keep Shabbat. Saturday is one of the busiest days in the restaurant. Do we close it down? What do we do? And, you know, honestly, in the beginning, it was something that I I struggled with to make excuses and say, well, I'm not going to work. My business partner will handle it. But I didn't have peace about it. Um, And as we went on with the restaurant... Um, I I came to a point where I just I talked to my partner and I said, you know, I'm not comfortable moving forward anymore in the restaurant. It's doing very well. And then it's obviously is successful. And Saturday is a big day. But either we close on Saturdays, or I sell my part of the business. And that's not something that's practical in today's world. I mean, most people say you're, you're, you're crazy to give that up. But to me, it, it didn't really matter. I, I figured, you know, I'd rather move forward in, in doing something with God's blessing than to try to tackle it myself and, and be on my own. And so since we made a decision, my partner actually agreed with me to, to close on Saturdays. He didn't want me to exit the business. We have seen the Lord continue to bless it. And our staff loves us even for giving them one day of the weekend to rest. Um, and so it's just to us, it's normal. I, it's not something that we second guess and say, "How weird is that?" To me, it's just no, no, no. There's, there's no. It's awesome. There's no question here. This is just the way we operate, and to do otherwise is odd and weird.
1: Yeah, I bet your staff absolutely loves having Saturdays off, especially in the summertime, and especially the young people, because that's unheard of in any business to have Saturdays off. Yeah, yeah <laughs> completely. I
2: think one big change is. Um, You know, it's like we're having Thanksgiving every weekend because we clean our house, we prep, we really try to take the preparation day seriously. And because we're two people who can't relax when there's things to be done and we look around and we see uh, dishes to be done or um, laundry to be done or dust everywhere. So one thing that we do is really prep our house every Friday for a really restful Sabbath so that we can relax and really have that peace and that appointment with uh, Yahweh that we wouldn't have otherwise because we're distracted by the dirt or the mess around us.
1: Awesome. I'm really glad you brought that out because that was something that really impacted my family as well. Up until we became Sabbath keepers, we never had days off and the house never really got clean. And now it's completely the opposite. That's definitely a bonus for living our life the way the Messiah lived his, at least Mm -hmm. as much as we can right now. So I would like for you to share with our audience your top three favorite resources.
0: Well, one of the ministries we really are involved in is um, Save Haven Sustainable Farms, which is where Growing in Torah comes out of. And I happen to be a board member with them. And so we, we do a lot of ministry with them and join them attend and the
2: feast there.
0: attend the feasts there with a lot of our friends that have become family now. And as far as other uh, resources, we enjoy listening to, to Zach Bauer, to Brad Scott. And uh, what else, honey?
2: I would just say... I think in the beginning we were super excited to listen to teachers and to people because you know everything's so radical and weird and it's a whole new way of thinking and you're taking off you know the old system and the theology of what you you're unlearning so much. So um, I would say in the beginning we listened to everything, we listened to everyone, and now I would say we kind of yeah we really he's tapping his Bible we really have simplified it and we just read the word and we talk about it and we try to examine um, really what it's saying to us instead of being removed as though this was for the Jews. You know, we're just really trying to dive in, figure out what it means. And just back to the basics, I would say. Anymore, we don't really listen to teachers. We, we we, We do watch Aleph Beta just because I think it's kind of interesting to get the Hebrew perspective. I know that they, they don't embrace Messiah, but they do have some really good insights on Torah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the Torah portions that they post are, I think, valuable. But um, as far as resources and stuff like that, I, I would say, you know, we'll check something out if somebody suggests it. But for the most part, we're just reading our Bibles and chatting with others, chatting with our friends face-to-face at fellowship.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I would like to um, just point out about Aleph Beta. I also absolutely love that ministry, and it seems to me that every single writer of the New Testament knew the Torah inside out and upside down. And that's what Rabbi David Foreman at Aleph Beta has is three thousand years of some of the most in-depth Bible study that you can imagine at his disposal, and to give us little tidbits every week that pertain to what whatever it is that we're reading in the word is just incredible sometimes. Sometimes it's a little bit weird because I'm not Jewish and I don't necessarily have a Hebraic perspective, but I still really enjoy listening and learning because a lot of what he teaches is probably what Paul the Apostle studied and all of the other apostles and Yeshua himself. I'm sure they knew a lot of those same things because they came from that same background. And so that's what I have to say about that. (laughs) Well, I appreciate this, guys. Thank you so much for taking 40 minutes out of your day.
0: Thank you so much, Jody. We appreciate it. Yeah, we do.
1: Thank you for listening to Walk Like a Hebrew. This podcast is entirely listener supported. So if you like what you hear and you'd like to hear more, please visit our website at sheholdsforth.com and click on the donate button. That's S-H-E-H-O-L-D-S-F-O-R-T-H dot com. Many thanks to Jack Lane for the music, which can be found at his website, jackmlane.com. May Yehovah bless you. We'll catch you next time.